0: Today's episode is brought to you by Riverside. We've been using Riverside to record all of our conversations with our creator guests remotely. Remote recordings can be really stressful if you or your guests don't have the best internet connection. But Riverside is able to keep high quality video and audio, no matter what your Wi-Fi is like, thanks to its local recordings. This has made the whole process stress-free and more fun. If you want a high quality recording studio at your fingertips, visit the link in the show notes and use the code passionfruit2022 to get 15% off any Riverside membership plan. And now let's get back on air with our creators.
1: The worst thing I could do is get addicted to my view counts and keep trying to make the same content forever because eventually what I'm doing is going to get old. It's gonna fall out of fashion. It's gonna fall out of vogue. There's gonna be new creators who come in who do it better than I did. They're gonna have new ideas. They're gonna be hungrier. That's where you do not want to stay.
0: Thomas Frank has been a creator since 2010 when he started a blog called College Info Geek. Nowadays, he focuses on Notion and his business makes over $100,000 a month.
1: I didn't know that there was an algorithm.
0: Oh. Like, I
1: didn't understand it. Back then, I don't think most people did. Uh, You know, maybe like, I'm sure Matt Pat from game theory understood it way back then. He, he's <laughs> yeah. been a nerd for this stuff for decades years. Um, but I came in like, yeah, I had a blogging background. So when you're a blogger, you, you just don't expect your content to get a, an audience right away. It's kind of crazy now, like, especially with TikTok and shorts on YouTube, yeah. but even with longs on YouTube creators who have an audience, they kind of expect, okay, I'm putting up my next video and I expect I'm going to get views. And and you see them complain like oh, I didn't, but this video didn't get any views. The YouTube algorithm <laughs> is is uh, hating on me. It's targeted me. It hates me. I feel
0: so cooled out right now. <laughs> right, but it's like
1: I grew up as a blogger where that expectation didn't exist. I had you know I had my website guide and it was getting uh, tens of thousands of visits a month. And you know I, I'm like cool. I'm gonna write another blog post over here. Uh, even if I made a blog post about the same topic, the assumption was this is this will get no views mm. unless I go out and advertise it. So. That's you know that's what you do when you grow up in that environment is you make a piece of content and then you're like okay how can I go out and get the word out about this piece of content so people you know it's like you, obviously you post to Facebook you post to Twitter you post to whatever uh, and uh, guest posting which doesn't really work anymore but it did work back then um, and then the one that really worked for me for a while was Pinterest.
0: Oh really? Which is
1: like who talks about Pinterest yeah. these days, right? Uh, but Pinterest was big back. It's still big. My wife actually uses Pinterest all the time, but um, it was big back in the day for content marketers. And there was a strategy where you would take your content and you would make an infographic out of it. So for a very long time, like I think the number one traffic source for our blog was Pinterest.
0: No way, that's crazy. How have things evolved then since you become more aware about the YouTube algorithm or just algorithms in general? Like how's your strategy changed?
1: I personally am no longer using Pinterest. Um, my perception <laughs> is that it's much harder for content marketers to build an audience on it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's still Pinterest tips out there. Uh, I think Google is still roughly the same um, with the exception that every year that goes by, the value of trying to go out and build backlinks diminishes. So 2010, when I was getting started, the SEO strategy of the day was go out and guest post to get backlinks. That's what you did, or, or go beg people to do backlinks. And people still email me like, please backlink to my new article about CBD <laughs> supplements in your blog. And I'm like, no, I don't know who you are. <laughs> uh, but also it doesn't matter as much anymore because Google's smart and Google uh, understands like, user intent, user behavior metrics. Like if a user clicks into your page, how long do they stay? Do they bounce the back button, go to something else? And so, uh, you know, SEO ranking is a lot about content quality these days and matching user intent, satisfying users and keeping them on site. So I understand that well. I understand how to build uh, a great, you know, SEO ranking for a piece of content without having to do crazy backlink building. Um, But then a lot of my focus now is on algorithms and you have, I would say, three, maybe four main platforms where you can kind of grow algorithmically. Um YouTube and TikTok being the biggest two by far. And then Twitter and LinkedIn also counting. Um, you know, maybe, maybe there's Instagram reels, maybe there's Facebook stuff, but I think YouTube and TikTok are the most powerful. Twitter and YouTube or LinkedIn are also quite powerful, especially if you prefer the written word. Mm-hmm. And then there's nothing for podcasts. Sorry, podcasts are audience deepeners. Uh, Distribution for podcasts is really tough unless you turn them into videos, (laughs) (laughs) which you're doing here. So good job. Yes,
0: (laughs) exactly. And then you've also started your second channel. So your main channel has like millions of subscribers and you've not posted for I think 10 months or so. What What was the reason for then starting a new channel to focus on Notion and these styles of videos rather than using your older channel?
1: Yeah, so I had done a couple of Notion videos um, I want to say three actually on the main channel. So there was the first one, uh, which kind of went through my YouTube system at the time. There was one on my note-taking system I had created. And then there was one that I thought would go viral and it just didn't. I made an uh, among us game tracker. So you could like track who you were suspicious of and like, where <laughs> people were during the game. Um, and that was all I had done for notion on my main channel. And then I was like, okay, I want to do some other notion videos, but, i perceived at the time that the ones i wanted to do were too technical for the main channel right like one of them the second the second video on the channel was i think the first one i actually thought of making um which was at the time you couldn't open notion links in the app unless you like replaced the https with notion colon slash slash you had to manually do it so i created some auto hotkey scripts that would if you uh paste or uh, copied a Notion URL to your clipboard, it would actually swap out those URL handlers automatically. Yeah, the URL handler thing was like, nobody's on my main channel is gonna watch this. Let me start a second channel. And I kinda wanna see what it's like to build a channel just about Notion. And it was gonna be a total side project and I had no like concrete monetization plan for it. Didn't know what I was gonna do. The idea of paid templates had not occurred to me yet. Um, I think I had a couple of free ones I was giving away. So the third video on the channel was like ultimate tasks. That was my second free template. And then, um, and I just kept doing it because it was fun and it was also not stressful. So mm-hmm. a big thing is I have been doing uh, sponsored videos, every video sponsored since 2017. Uh, that's wow. when I hooked up with Standard, my agency, and you know they do such a good job that they were able to get a sponsor for every video which is great because it basically doubled my income within a couple of months uh, after signing with them. But it also meant like every video is high pressure. Every Mm. video needs to perform well for the sponsor. So every video I'm like, how do I design this so it gets lots of views? Like, you know, very Mr. Beast style, not content, but Mr. Beast thinking. Mm. How do I make sure this video does well in the algorithm? And that's fine, and that helps build a sustainable business, but often it doesn't like allow us to do the things that we really want to do in the in the moment. Yeah. Um, so at the moment or at the time, what I wanted to do was play around with Notion. So I was like, let's just do the side channel because it's it's low pressure, right? I don't yeah. care if it gets a million views per video. Um, and it, it's kind of sad now, like this becoming my main thing. It's like that's creeping back into my life, where it's like, oh, how did this video perform? but it's less intense because we sell the product now. So it's like every video is a piece of marketing for our overall funnel, but I don't care how an individual video does specifically.
0: So how have your revenue streams evolved over time? since being a creator, from like the early days of blogging to now?
1: Early days was entirely uh, affiliate income. And then, well, I guess I on the side was also a freelance web designer. So I did a little bit of that and I was making people websites and making some money. But for uh, the purposes of me as a content creator, early on it was entirely affiliate sales. I think the next thing that I added was book sales because I released 10 Steps to Earning Awesome Grades as a free book. And then people were like, well, we want it in print. So I learned how to uh, edit my own book. I found like this template. You had to actually get Microsoft Word 1997 compatibility plugin for uh, Amazon's editing template to work correctly and to oh, get no like way. the right justification of margins. It was crazy. But I learned how to edit my own book, put it out in print. So I had um, book sales as well for a while. And then I wanna say the, the next one was YouTube Sponsors. So that's when I got hooked up with uh, standard every video was sponsored from then on. Um, and I'm trying to remember if I had AdSense before or after sponsors because I actually got to a hundred thousand subscribers and I had AdSense off the whole time. What? And it wasn't a mistake. It was on purpose. Oh, really? Uh, so again, you're know, going back to me being as old as Galactus being an OG blogger. Um, part of what people talked about in the blogosphere for a very long time was you gotta get people on your email list. You gotta build an email list. And the way you do that is by optimizing your funnel where people hit the page. You gotta have a email signup thing in the middle of your content or in your sidebar, whatever. Like Whatever you can do to in improve your email signup rates. So my thought with AdSense was, well, that's an ad. That's gonna lower the amount of people who actually watch the video. It's gonna lower the amount of people who get to the end and sign up for my free email uh, newsletter. Um, so I was like, business-wise, it would be smarter for me to not have ads on. And then I remember a friend of mine was like, dude, when I see an ad on YouTube, I don't think that jerk Thomas showed me yeah. an ad. I think YouTube is showing me an ad. I'm going to hit that skip button if I can. But you know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think about but that when I start watching the video.
0: Did you understand the earning potential of AdSense at the time from YouTube? Not
1: really. I okay, was like, fine. oh, it's probably just beer money. Cause you know, you yeah. think it's like, yeah. everyone says it's like 50 cents to $4 CPM. And I wasn't getting yeah. that many views. And I, I was making like, $10,000 a month on the hosting affiliates at the time. So wow, I was like, okay. how much could it possibly be? Like, well, you know, what could a banana cost, Michael? $10? <laughs> um, but no, I, I was happily surprised when I turned it on. Yeah, Because it was like, oh, wait, this is like $3,000 a month that I've just been leaving on the table wow. for years. I
0: can't believe that. <laughs> That's crazy.
1: <laughs> so, uh, and the funny thing is, I was dipping my toes into the waters of AdSense. I didn't even turn it on in every video. I was like, well, I can't have it on in this video. And there were some videos where I was like, I had used um like third party assets under fair use, but I'm a very detail oriented person. And um my parents were kind of strict. So like I check on things. And so like when I looked up what fair use was, it was like, well, there's a difference between fair use for uh personal content and fair use for commercial content. And I was like, well, oh, if you yeah. turn AdSense on, on YouTube, that makes it commercial content. Right. And like, I think today, uh, the generally accepted wisdom in the fair use, uh, sphere is like commercial content is like a commercial or like, mm. you know, you used third party assets in a literal commercial or something. Not, I, I don't think it's thought of as like a monetized YouTube videos yeah. not usually thought of as commercial content. So eventually yeah. I got to turning on AdSense for every video, but for a long time it was like, These, these videos over here, they're getting millions of views, but can't monetize those ones. Uh, (laughs) so yeah, I've loosened up over the years, but I'm definitely like that. Dip the toe in kind of person, uh, and, and think that there's piranhas in the water, even though I can see all the water. So it
0: was sponsorships and affiliate marketing and AdSense for quite a while. And then how did that evolve to now? Because now you're not doing sponsored videos anymore.
1: True. So the the next one after sponsors was uh, Skillshare courses, which we still make a decent amount of money on those, but I'm not doing main channel videos. So that's sort of dwindling over time. Uh, And then the most recent one and the biggest one by far is the Notion templates.
0: And how did that come about? Was it just that you saw your second channel doing really well? Or did that become strategic when you saw kind of other creators doing really well with Notion?
1: Actually, uh, I stumbled into it because I had been giving away free templates and there was like this sentiment in the Notion community that no one would pay for templates. Like who would pay for a Notion template? And you can still see this on the Notion subreddit. Like I I have since learned that the Notion subreddit, I I believe is frequented by a lot of people who are students or people who are nerds for Notion and would never think of not building their own systems. Um, But eventually I realized, well, Notion is also a business tool. And there, mm-hmm. there are businesses of all sizes who are using it, from solopreneurs up on to uh, our agency uses it, Standard uses it, and they have like 90 employees at this point. So, And there are much bigger companies that use it too. So if a business uses it, then if I can provide a turnkey solution for a business process, then that might actually be worth money. Um, now, this is not where my thinking started. My thinking actually started that I was going to make a course because I had taken uh, OnDeck's course on, uh, it was like, creator or course creator fellowship or something that Andrew Bazaruto had uh, taught. So my initial thought was I will monetize by doing some sort of cohort based course. And then as I'm going through the cohort based course as a student, I'm like, I am learning a lot, but I also don't really like this cohort style. I don't like showing up twice a week at a specific (laughs) time. Just let me learn all this stuff when I want to learn it. Um, So I was like, okay, maybe a self-paced course. And then I was like, well, as part of my self-paced course, I'm going to give them a template. Mm -hmm. And then the template just started getting, and I looked at my own YouTube management template and I'm like, wait, that is a product in and of itself. And rather than waiting for me to make a course to go along with it, let's just try selling it as its own thing. And again, it was like, well, we run a very profitable YouTube channel off of this template, like, you know, we're doing, uh, I think it was 700K a year revenue on my channel. And that was what we used to manage it and all the channels. So I'm like, I think people are gonna get value out of this. And I think I can charge more than $5. So um, I made the beta version. I did two tiers. There was like the base tier. And then I added ultimate tasks integration with the higher tier. And then I think that was like 129 with the discount code I gave people. Uh, So, and, and people started buying it. And with very minimal marketing, it was making like 15K a month.
0: Wow. Um,
1: and it's crazy. Like, so I've been going back through my old journals and, and email blasts and stuff to see like, how did I market Creators Companion? And the answer I've come to is I kind of didn't. <laughs> I was like, wait, I must have done an email blast to my big list about this template. And I never did. Uh, I literally, all I ever did was I put a link to it. In the little header for ultimate tasks. And before it launched, uh, that went to a form for a waiting list. So I want to say I launched to a waiting list of like 350 people and we made like eight grand in a day or something. Wow. So that was like the first thing I was like, Whoa, okay. This is actually like, there's some interest here. Holy crap. Um, and then I didn't really market it at all ever actually to this, to this day, I still haven't really marketed creator's companion because at the time I was like, it's, in beta, um, mm-hmm. it's what I want, but I don't know if this is fully what my customers want. I also don't know if there's like some little bug I left in there. I do not want to go to my big channel and open the floodgates. And and you know, even if I get millions of dollars in sales, I do not want to have a bunch of angry customers because there's some bug or there's some overlooked feature. Let's keep it small, let's keep it in beta, and we'll grow gradually. Um, and that went on for several months. I was also doing main channel videos and then when I got to building ultimate brain that took up all my time and the launch for that, which I did market, um, it was way bigger than expected and still to now has taken up more, most of my time. So we haven't had time to properly market greatest companion.
0: And is that the reason that you've kind of, I want to say neglected the main channel then because it's 100%. just taking up so much time, but do you yeah, think you'll it, go back to the main channel at some point?
1: I do. Yeah. It wasn't like, all right, friendship ended with main channel. Yeah. Now Notion is my best friend. Uh, it wasn't like that at all. Was, I was I kept intending like, okay, I'm, I've got these main channel videos I'm going to do. I fully intend to do it next month. But this month, um, I got to build ultimate brain. And the next month comes, well, this month I have to do customer support eight hours a day every single day because I don't have a support team. And the next month comes, well, this month I need to start scaling my team up and hire support people and hire a director of ops. And then... Um, and then I, last month or last year, I spent four straight months uh, documenting Notion's formula property because wow. I don't... Uh, have you used a Notion formula before?
0: Uh, kind of. I don't really get it. I'm not... I mean, I've tried to understand all these things that you do with Notion, like the API and all of that. And uh, I'm, I'm not that advanced, I'm afraid.
1: Well, have I got some documentation for you? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Fun. so if, if you've ever used it and tried to write a formula, you'll know like... The only documentation that is written for Notion formulas uh, officially is they have like one little page on their site that kind of explains it in general. And then in the tool, each method, like each function or operator, there's like a one line description of what it does and a couple of very simple examples. Well, that does not cover a lot of the questions mm. um, that one might have. Like for example, with date between, like what the heck is the moment JS uh, string format? And how do I get like a specific date format I want? Well, I'm a nerd and I like web development documentation. And whenever I have like a JavaScript question, I can go to MDM web docs and I can see like a good 2000 word article about one JavaScript function with many examples. And I was like, I want that for Notion and I perceive that if I make it, that might be like strategically valuable in the future. It won't get me as many views as I would get if I was just making more content, I understand that, but I believe that sometimes you go into hermit mode and you make something freaking amazing, and then when you get out of hermit mode, like that is now something that really attracts attention, and you can go and talk about it, and then like you get attention for it, um, mm. which I've experienced with uh, other things in the Notion thing. like. So I did that, and it took me four months, and it's like forty five thousand words with uh, example databases for every single every single function, operator, and constant in Notion formulas. There is an example for it. Uh, So I basically became a programmer
0: (laughs) doing that, (laughs) and then I went right
1: into API, and I'm like, let's learn the API now. So that's where we've been. The past I like love how like all your
0: experiences and interests have just kind of like come together with this, which is really interesting. Um, it's true. How has your mindset then changed as a creator? Because have you always been like this, or was there a part of you in the past that felt like, oh, I need to post a video every single week, otherwise my audience is going to lose interest? Or like, oh you know yeah, I mean?
1: like I was but, talking earlier, like once per week with BeMinder without fail, or it'll charge me money. Uh, so what part-
0: changed?
1: Um. I think I just got into a new season. So I think that you you definitely go through seasons as an entrepreneur as, as a creator. Mm-hmm. That season of my life was, okay, Tom, you need to put in the reps to learn the skill of video. Um, and, and everything had a goal. Like at the time, I was trying to get a million subscribers on my YouTube channel. like that's my goal right now and I'm trying to build the best channel in the world for students. And like in terms of metrics, that's my North star. Don't have monetization metrics. Uh, I'm just going to grow there. And there will be something cool after that. And I remember when I hit a million, like, woohoo, sub- uh, celebrate a little bit. And then now it's like, well, what's the next goal? 10 million subscribers? That doesn't sound fun. I don't care about subscribers anymore. Um, so from then on, I think 2020 was like my filmmaker year. And I cared about views. I cared about performance. But what I cared about most was the quality of the videos. And that was the year I was like watching Matt Diavella make Netflix-style, <laughs> documentary-style content for YouTube, and I was watching Peter McKinnon. Like I'm filming an 8K, and I'm doing 120 frame per second speed ramps with a drone. <laughs> this is how you do it. I'm like, cool, I'm going to do that. So you go back to my work from 2020, and it's like crazy cinematic stuff. Uh, and then I kind of got bored with that. And now it's like, well, now I want to build this ultimate resource for Notion. I, I have this vision for a thing that can exist. And it's so much fun because I think once you lose that or once you get to the top of your mountain and you don't see another peak, at least for me, like things get boring.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So
1: I hit a million subscribers. I was, I was making more money than I really needed to live on with the YouTube channel. And, you know, I knew the videos I was making were helping people, but it wasn't like there was this overarching thing that I was building that was yet incomplete. It's just like, what's the next video? What's the next video? Um, Yeah. And then with this now, I now have, it's like the Dyson Sphere, hasn't been built yet. I have the skeleton, but there's so many pieces left to put on. That's what I feel with my current channel, my current brand is like the API thing is not done yet. The formula thing is not done yet. There's so many things we can do for uh, specific use cases. How do you use Notion as a CRM? How do you use it as a recipe tracker? Like so many things. They don't exist yet, but I can see them in my head. So I just need to go out and make them.
0: No that's an interesting evolution. I like the idea of seasons because it gives you room to not get boxed in and I guess that's leading on to my next question. Were you ever afraid of getting boxed in as a creator because you started off as being you know college info geek and just being for college students and then it was the productivity content and now it's notion how did you make sure that you were able to evolve as a creator without being narrowed into a niche? <sighs>
1: Let me think about that for a second because there's a lot yeah, of, of swirling thoughts around in my head. <laughs> okay, cool. The first thought starts in 2012 when I turned 21. I turned 21 on a red-eye flight, like midnight, 21, you're still on the plane.
0: Oh, no you know, way. Can't
1: drink because you're asleep. Uh, <laughs> and I went to Blog World, which was a conference in New York City. And a friend of mine there was like, he I think he was like 35. So he's significantly older than me at the time, but he's like, you got to get out of this College Info Geek stuff because you're graduating next year. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my God. They're going to all think that I'm some old fuddy-duddy who doesn't know anything about <laughs> student life because I'm done with college. And then I remembered, wait a second. Lynn O'Shaughnessy is, like, in her 40s or 50s and has been writing about college success for decades, and people still listen to her. Um, Cal Newport wrote his student success books after he was a student, and people still pay attention to those. So at the time I was like, okay, I don't think that I'm going to instantly graduate and have people distrust me or think I'm uncool and old. Uh, Let's keep trying to do it for a while. And another motivation there was uh, all throughout me being a student, I was working on College Info Geek, but I was not interested at all about academic success content. Cause as a student, I was like, I'm gonna go to class. I'm gonna try to get good grades, but I'm more interested in internships and clubs and side hustles and all that stuff. Mm. So that's what I wrote about. I wrote about career success and side hustles and building websites and things like that. And then I graduated college and I realized I have a huge content gap. I have basically nothing on how to study. So that's what I spent the next few years doing is just making a world-class library of content on academic success, cognitive enhancement, all that kind of stuff. Um, and and wouldn't you know it? I'm in my mid 20s. I'm out of college four years, five years, six years, and people are still listening to me and they're still having fun watching the content. So I was like, okay, I don't have to be a student to make student content. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it, it's a very gradual process of pivoting. I'll go on like long rollerblade rides with my friend Martin, and we're like, hey, we're getting near 30. Should we <laughs> stop doing stuff for students? So I did a very very gradual pivot on my channel, I just changed the banner. I got rid of College Info Geek, made it a picture of me. Um, I stopped putting College Info Geek in every title. I stopped having my end card say College Info Geek. It would just be me being like, watch this next video. But it was like the topics didn't really change because, you know, a student wants to stop procrastinating, but so does a professional. So does an entrepreneur. We we all end up on Twitter or birds with arms subreddit <laughs> yeah. when we're supposed to be working. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I can teach you how to block birds with arms subreddit, even if you are not a student in a video that I can create. And and that's when I kind of realized like, okay, if you pivot it gradually, um, and you don't just create like this crazy quantum leap, you'll bring a lot of your audience along with you. Um, Mm -hmm. you won't create like this whiplash, uh, whiplash effect, uh, for your audience. And I remember reading about this. This was like a real life proof of something in Cal Newport's book. So good. They can't ignore you he talked about this woman who was like, I think she was like an investment banker or something. And she's like, I'm gonna go start a yoga studio. And he's like, that's a huge jump. And that's really hard to execute because these are totally different worlds. And there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of skill from your current thing that's gonna transfer over to the new thing. But if Mm -hmm. you can find something that is adjacent then it's going to be much easier to pivot and transfer into. Um, I experienced this with figure skating and skiing as well. I learned how to figure skate. And then when I went back to ski, I was like, oh my God, I'm way better at skiing than I've ever been, even though I haven't been practicing skiing at all for three years. So if you can find something that lets like a logical pivot next step from your current area, then you have the skills to excel in it pretty quickly. And you're gonna have at least some of your audience members who care enough to come along for the ride. So yeah. I think Notion is a logical pivot from what I was doing because Notion is very tied into the worlds of productivity and work uh, you know, uh optimization of your workflows. Um a lot of creators use it. So it made sense. But sure. if I had gone and be like, All right, we're doing a fly fishing channel now, <laughs> that might be a little harder to build.
0: Yeah. Huh? Definitely. And I don't want to make you seem old here at all. So please, I hope I'm not going to offend you (laughs) with this. But I feel like you're one of the few creators that has lasted and made like they've still managed to keep such an engaged audience. And I feel like the fear for a lot of creators is, is this a certain career path or, you know, will I have this job in 10 years time or not? How have you made sure that you've managed to stay relevant and in, you know, like you're still engaging an audience to this day, even though, you know, you still probably have subscribers from College Info Geek. How have you managed to mm-hmm. kind of endure with all the changes so, that happen on social media?
1: I am kind of old. Um, I'm not as old as I'm not Sir calling David. you old. Oh, no, I, I, I will <laughs> accept it. I will accept. I've got a couple of grades now. Um, <laughs> but I'm not as old as somebody like, say, Sir David Attenborough, who still captivates audiences to this day because he has a knack for communicating something with Mm. just passion and joy. And I realize everything I do as a creator is building my abilities to communicate. It's building technical skill. It's building business wisdom. And if I keep pushing in those directions, there's always going to be an opportunity. The worst thing I could do is get addicted to my view counts and keep trying to make the same content forever Mm. and not progress my own skills and not progress in my own discovery. Because eventually, what I'm doing is going to get old, it's gonna fall out of fashion, it's gonna fall out of vogue, there's gonna be new creators who come in who do it better than I did, they're gonna have new ideas, they're gonna be hungrier. That's where you do not wanna stay. Um, so I think you know, my, my path as a creator has been one of constant evolution and, um, and shifting who I talk to, what I talk about. And uh, what I've learned, so I've, I've learned a couple of key lessons First and foremost, I'll say this for, for any creator um, who experiences their first 10 out of 10 video in the YouTube studio. And for those who don't understand the YouTube studio, you think 10 out of 10, it sounds great. But it's it means uh, yeah, out best. of the last 10 videos, it's 10th in terms of views. <laughs> so it's like, you're you're washed up, kid. Your chance is over. Hollywood has spit you out. Go back to the farm. And I have felt that. Many, many times. And I've gone through many, many cycles where I'll have like four or five videos in a row. They're all 10 out of 10s. I'm like, I'm washed up. I'm dead. Nobody cares about me anymore. And I've had so many creator friends go through the same exact experiences. And then next month, they get a one out of 10. Next month, they're doing great again. And I've been personally through this cycle at least four times. Yeah. Where I'm like four times. I'm out. I'm washed up. I got to go work as a lumberjack. That's been my backup (laughs) the entire time. Best get the flannel shirts, Tom.
0: i you you going through this cycle right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So my advice to you here is do not think that you've been washed up. This is, this, the this, is, it's a sine wave, right? You're in the ebb and you're eventually going to get back to the flow because yep. maybe you take a little bit of a break or maybe you read a new book and you get ex- excited about something that's interesting. And you're like, well, oh, that's the thing I want to make, you know? And sometimes I've been here too. You get into a rut where you're like, got to make a video every week. Got people to pay. Mm got sponsors that I got to appease. I don't really want to, but I guess I'm just gonna make a video about this topic that I've already kind of made in the past. Let's make a video about document scanning apps, whatever. You know, it's like some some videos I just wasn't excited to make, but it's like, I I think it's a useful topic. I think, and I got a sponsor deadline, I gotta do it. (laughs) You know, Um, the other thing that I'll mention is what I have chosen to do with my life in the past year is willingly give up a bigger audience. And that was scary to me. Like there was definitely a piece of me who was like, if I even leave my big channel for a month, am I going to fade into obscurity? And I have this huge asset here. Why would I not be using this? Yeah. And I'm going to go like, work on this tiny channel on a piece of niche software that could go out of business anytime. Like, what am I doing? Um, And it's been so interesting because number one, like I get to work on things that I'm much more excited to work on. People will call me a nerd for wanting to wake up and do formula documentation all day long and they are correct about that i spent an entire day i think the nerdiest one i did was spending an entire day doing the mathematical proofs in javascript to define the difference between modulus and um and remainder which are different if there are negatives but like some programming engines right so yeah so like there were days where I was super excited to wake up and wanted to do nothing but that. And that that seems crazy. And like well, you're such a nerd, Tom. Um, and here I am giving up this huge audience here and getting a thousand views on video sometimes. The crazy thing though is I don't think I've ever gotten more attention from media than I have in doing this. Like, before this, a Business Insider just interviewed me today. Freaking Patrick Rothfuss, the author of Name of the Wind, DM'd me on Twitter about Notion. The guy who wow. wrote Enter the Spider-Verse followed me, my favorite animated movie ever. I'm like, holy crap. And I realize, like, just because you're getting big view counts or small view counts, that's not the only thing to be looking at. Because it's who yeah. is watching your content and what's doing for them you know, is it 5 million people watching your video on the toilet because they just can't think of anything better to do? Or is it 20 people who all run Fortune 500 companies and they're deeply engaged in what you're saying and they wanna bring you in and hire you? Like, which one of those is better? You ask, you know, I'll ask you. Um, I think my stance on that is pretty clear. So, and and, and the other thing is I honestly have more fun being uh, a little less generally seen like when i had bigger view counts i definitely would get recognized more and i actually don't like that yeah uh it's in my opinion much more fun to be more well respected in a smaller niche Mm -hmm. like you get to be famous sometimes but then you get to be home and be like
0: how have the challenges changed as you've made this evolution because you've talked about how the good things have changed and the perks of it what what about the challenges has there been any more difficult sides to doing this
1: in business, they'll call this like vertical integration where you like own more of the stack of like, uh, like a sales funnel or, um, you know, say you're like Amazon, uh, in the beginning, you're just, you're just fulfilling the orders on the website and then you use UPS to drive. Well, now Amazon has the trucks and they actually do the delivery and the fulfillment and everything that's vertical integration. So mm-hmm. I'll call it uh vertical integration in my creator business because, My concern used to just be make the content and make a really good ad for my sponsor so it converts well and I get paid. That's it. Now, um, sales page, I design it. Uh, Point of sale, I have to make sure that our our checkout system is working correctly. Uh, Has the customer gotten their onboarding email? Has the customer actually gotten access to our community? We have to scale up our support. We have to process refunds. We have to uh, have a little bit of a hand in handling customer disputes and chargebacks on PayPal. There are just way more moving parts that have Mm -hmm. now come into our domain. Um, And when you're just a content creator, there's like a huge part of the sales funnel that ultimately puts food on your table that you are not concerned with. Mm -hmm. So that's the challenge. Um, It's hard. I won't say that I don't like doing it because I actually like the challenge. And Again, it's the process of discovery. I like learning how to do this stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it's, of course, something I have to eventually hire for because I don't want to keep doing customer support, all that kind of thing. Uh, it, it is challenging, though, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I also think it affords you much more opportunity as a creator because if you're just relying on sponsors or just relying on AdSense especially, then you're basically saying, I'm okay with having no pro- or no control over that part of the process, and I'm okay with basically taking what is given to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in the case of AdSense, like it's very meager reward per view. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've experienced, uh, when we go for full vertical integration, we sell our own products and we handle our own sales pages and we understand all that. We do much better yeah. than even uh, like a sponsor, like a very high paying YouTube sponsor. Um, to be transparent, the most I've ever been paid for a YouTube sponsorship has been $15,000 and then standard takes their 20%. So I get, uh, whatever, uh, that would be $12,000. So, you know, very good money, but it's not going to make us a hundred grand a month unless we're doing eight videos per month, Mm -hmm. which we can't do in a way that will perform at $12,000 worth level. So what I realized is the only way I'm going to significantly increase my income is either to either publish way more videos, which I I personally can't do. I just don't have the ability to make videos that fast. I just get too into the weeds Um, or somehow get way, 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 way more reviews on a video. Because I've learned how to essentially maximize conversions for a given sponsor, which just means I need need to bring more people in. And that means playing the Mr. Beast algorithm game or the middle path. uh, You don't take the red pill or the blue pill. You take the, I don't know, swirly rainbow pill. Um, (laughs) You sell your own product. And now you don't only have control over how well you, uh, you know, talk about your product in your video, but now you have control over the landing page. Now you have Mm. control over the checkout process. Now you have control over every single piece of it. And if you Mm. know what you're doing, um, I think you can do much better. And you're also selling more of you. I think that's the big thing that creators need to understand. Maybe the biggest takeaway from this would be, uh, if your creator, your audience gets at the end of a video you made, they have signaled they want more of you. They haven't signaled they want a HelloFresh meal kit or um, whatever Manscaped is trying to sell. (laughs) They want more of you. So if you can sell them a course or a product or just recommend another video, that's the thing they want. And that's going to convert so much better.
0: So do you have any advice to creators on how to find that product that aligns with them and what they're about and what their audience wants from them?
1: I can really only give advice from uh, my own experience. Mm-hmm. My products are a reflection of what I wanted personally. So mm. Creators Companion literally is the system we built internally without ever thinking of it as a product. It, I just basically, I duplicated our system, deleted all the you know, personal information and projects just to get the bones of it. And then I did go through a process of product refinement asking myself, well, if I'm gonna turn this into a product, how can I make it better? How can I add some things like a sponsor tracker or like documentation templates? Um, But you know, it came from that I needed this for myself and then I realized the value of it, so let me sell it. Ultimate Brain is a very similar thing. When I got into Notion in 2018, I was like, oh, this could be the replacement for Todoist and Evernote and Calendar and all these different apps I'm juggling. And uh, it took me many, many iterations and many years, honestly, to get it to the point where I was happy enough personally with doing both note task and project management in Notion. Once Mm -hmm. I got there, I'm like, that's the product. But it's like, I wanted it personally. Um, But also like, listen to your audience. Like, you know, what does your audience want? Are there ideas you come up with? Like, do you come up with an idea in a podcast? You're like, well, that'd be cool. Like, and people tweet you like, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, which suggestion for you, I would love to hear this interview. Sarah Renee Clark. I'm not sure if you know who she is, but she uh, sells this thing called the Color Cube. So she's like an artist. She has a lot of videos on like uh, like coloring, actually. It's like coloring book oh. videos. She's in Australia. So she has this product called the Color Cube. And I think it's like a box full of cards that are basically just color combinations. So anyway, so like I would love to hear what inspired her to make this cube is it you know was it an idea that somebody brought to her or was it like her own needs but I remember her saying like we had digital color swatches but the 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 fact that I have a physical thing that I can look at now and thumb through is just so nice yeah so I think it
0: makes total sense because your audience is intrigued with what you're doing so it's natural that they want to use what you're creating for yourself almost so that makes exactly. a lot of sense yeah i like that um i'm gonna end with a quick fire round so these are the same questions that i ask every creator that comes on the air um so what's your favorite thing about being a creator
1: uh my favorite thing about being a creator is the freedom to go through what i call my personal gameplay loop which is dive into something technical and learn its ins and outs and then i get to teach it
0: i love how nerdy I you are it. it's so cool <laughs> <laughs> um what gives you the most inspiration
1: oh that's a great question i uh, discovery itself honestly like it seems like such a cop-out answer but it's just like i just get interested in something and it's like oh what's that over there like breath of the wild one of my favorite games of all time because i did such a good job at not like telling you what to do but more just like, oh, hey, what's that little orange thing over there? And then you just go down this path and you, there's like a whole adventure. That's <laughs> what I love about my career. It's like, there's a whole adventure down the path of, I don't know how to write this formula well. Where's the documentation on it? It doesn't exist, what?
0: <laughs> I love that. And I probably know the answer to this, but what's your favorite tool to help you create?
1: Yeah, it's or definitely be a creator. Notion. Yeah, <laughs> definitely it'll, Notion. It'd be
0: weird if it wasn't Notion. <laughs> <laughs> and what's one thing that helps your work-life balance as a creator?
1: Um, dog and wife and and yeah. friends, it's people. So I, I won't say that I have the best work-life balance. Sometimes I'm writing tweet threads at 9 PM, but, uh, every day my dog wakes me up. I take her to daycare. They close Aww. at seven. So I got to get her before seven, come home. Often my wife wants to do something with me. So when you have personal constraints in your life, those translate to work constraints and you get your stuff yeah. done in the time you have.
0: Yeah, that always helps. And what's one piece of advice that you'd give to other creators?
1: Always the one I give. People have heard me say it, but in case you're new, here it is, the 1% rule. Um, If you're a perfectionist like me, you will look at something that another person has made who you look up to, and you'll think, this is amazing. And um, Ira Glass has this quote about, like, there's a a gap in your taste and your ability. Mm. So you're looking up to somebody else, that's what your taste is but you can't execute at that level yet. And my mistake early on was thinking, if I just put enough time into this video, I'll be able to execute at that level. And you can't because of second order incompetence, which means there's stuff that you don't even know you don't know. So what's better to do is what I call the 1% rule. Um, You put yourself on a schedule. You don't have to use Beeminder and charge yourself money if you fail, but (laughs) somehow get yourself on a schedule and make it strict. Uh, For me, it was once a week for videos. And then with each video, try to find something you're interested in to improve. So, and video is such a wide range. Like it could be, I'm going to have eye contact with the camera way more in this video and stop looking away. Or I'm gonna try a new lighting setup. I learned about this lighting setup called the Cove Light. Let's try that this week. Or I'm gonna do uh, easing curves in my animation instead of linear animation. And you make hundreds of videos and you wake up three, four years down the road and go, whoa, I've done. All these little 1% improvements, and now I'm an expert. And I've gone through an organic process of discovery. So I now know things that I didn't even, I wasn't even aware they existed back then. And mm-hmm. as a bonus, you now have this catalog of content that's helping people. It's a resource for people. Hopefully, it's making you some money on AdSense. Maybe it's helping to market your products that you've also 1% ruled and you used Gumroad or Lemon Squeezy or something instead of like trying to build a gigantic, crazy point of sale, like I did at first. And, you know, you actually get to make money and grow your team and have a sustainable business while you're yeah. getting better. No, so, I yeah, love that. do that, kill the perfectionism.
0: <laughs> That's great advice. And I love how continued learning is such a part of your process and a part of your content and your journey as a creator. Um, Thomas, Frank, thank you so much for coming on air with us. You've taught us so much and it's been really great to see your journey. And I think your advice will help a lot of creators who are afraid of that uncertainty about being a creator and having a lasting career so thank you so much
1: thank you so much for having me on the show Agda.
0: you can find tom on his website his two youtube channels twitter and instagram if you're a creator and you want to do sponsorships without the hassle then check out passion fruit i'll see you in the next one